Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday. 6.06. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for tuning in. Who ordered this temperature? I... It's cold outside. Yes. We're below freezing this morning. I don't remember the last time we were in the 20s. I, I probably hasn't been that long ago, but uh, it, it wasn't yesterday. If you have an early morning tea time at any one of the golf courses this morning, uh, you don't any longer have an early morning tea time because uh, this will cause frost delays. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if it's below freezing, they do not put you out there. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Dow is uh, down massively this morning, 265 points. Granted, this is... Early morning futures trading, uh, but uh, we'll uh, get closer and closer to the opening. We'll talk with Jeremiah Bates. Um, a lot of this probably has to, I think, I believe later today, the minutes from the last Fed meeting get released. <laughs> so it's you, always something. You 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 get an idea of what the Fed is is going to do, not necessarily what they are going to do, but you can see the uh, way they're leaning when they release oh. their minutes for the. Uh, for the last Fed meeting, and then, oh, wow. then you can try and, and predict what they might be doing in the next six months to a year. How great would it be to have a transcript of their meeting, and it starts with, well, what should we do? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think we ought to do? Well, I don't know. This is impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. Let's not do anything. Okay. Um, still seeing uh, the, the fallout of uh, Elon Musk buying uh, about nearly 10%. It's between 9 and 10% Twitter. Of, of Twitter. And it's interesting because I see so many people – um, say, why is this a big deal? It's only like 9.5%, we'll call it. And the reason it's a big deal is because he is the largest <laughs> now investor in Twitter. So, yes, it's it's not even 10% that he's invested in, but he now owns more shares of Twitter than anybody else in the world. Um, the next five people, or it's not even people, uh, the next five largest shareholders are all investment firms like BlackRock yeah. and, and whatnot, and they're all less mm-hmm. than nine percent. So when you when you say, well, it's not that big a deal, it is because he has the most amount, and he also has um, billions and billions of dollars left. So that if he wanted to yeah. take control of Twitter, he, he could buy it out, and, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why you see him. Uh, they said allowing him on the board. They're saying, hey, um, in exchange for you not taking over Twitter will allow you a seat on the board. So temporarily, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll do that. And he has a seat on the board until 2024 now. <laughs> For now. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know if you listened at all to Dan Bongino yesterday. Um I mean, part of the thing is Elon Musk is is really for free speech and doesn't think anybody should be shut down. So everybody thinks seems to think that the reason he did it is to allow Donald Trump back on Twitter. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it'll be interesting yeah. to watch over the next six months. It could have been. We'll we'll find out if. Well, we'll also find out how much. Uh, besides, you know, how much he owns of the company, how much say he will have over the other people on the board. Well, apparently, he's already um, having an effect somewhat because he is uh, was in huge favor of being able to edit your tweets after you post them. 
Oh yeah, an edit button. That's yeah, yeah. Which that was, they that don't was his, have right now. That was his cause. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's basic like Facebook. Once you once you post something on Facebook, you can go back. If you screw up or mm-hmm. you say something that you find out, oh wow, uh, people are really offended by that. You can go back a- and edit. Twitter kind of li- lives on, um, but Twitter announced yesterday that they are now officially uh, going to begin testing. An edit button. So you probably were going to see an edit button on Twitter coming very <laughs> okay, soon. Okay, here's here's what you do then for fun. You you comment on other people's posts and you say something just completely outrageous, and then they respond to you in an angry way, and then you go back and edit what you said to make it look like <laughs> like they're like they're insane like they're crazy? and you're and you're perfectly reasonable. <laughs> I'm only saying that because that's what I would do. Yeah. Uh, which kind of allows you to do that if once I mean it it turns into more like Facebook then mm-hmm. as far as uh, having the edit button. Uh, also coming up here today, programming note for you: uh, Governor Brad Little will be on the show coming up at about eight thirty-five. We'll uh, talk with him. If you have questions for the governor, now we we have him on today specifically to talk about the uh, recently wrapped up legislative session. We talked to the governor. Uh, just before the uh, new session back in January, and we got his hopes, his dreams, his goal for the goals for the upcoming legislature, how we would like to have seen the $1.9 billion surplus spent, et cetera, et cetera. So now we're uh, doing a wrap-up to see what his feelings are about the recent legislature, not just not just how well they've fallen along and, and how much of his hopes and goals got done by the legislature, but also his thoughts um, on specific bills. For instance, we're mm-hmm. going to ask him about his veto of the coronavirus pause bill um, that failed to get an override in uh, the legislature this year. Um, so if you have questions for the governor, um, email them to us right now. We uh, will have a little time to get some of those questions in, but you can email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. And once again, uh, today we're specifically talking to the governor about the recently wrapped up legislative session. So keep your keep your questions. We're, we're not going to have time to to talk about uh, other things that might be going on, like the uh, upcoming primary or anything like that. Keep your questions specifically to the just wrapped up uh, legislative session. We're we're going to talk about the past and not the future. Yes, at least this time. And I'm sure we'll have him uh, on on again um, here in the uh, near future. But uh, for today, it's, it's just about the legislative session. Uh, Also, don't forget uh, coming up this Friday morning, um, we are going to be headed for another hometown handshake. Uh, put it on your calendar just for the next few months into June. Every Friday, make your plans to have breakfasts with us. Uh, we're going to head to various breakfast locations throughout the Treasure Valley. This week, we are uh, headed to Big City Coffee in downtown Boise. It's Grove and 15th. If you want to lock this into your GPS right now for Friday, 1416 West Grove Street. They have fantastic breakfast. Uh, they also have their own Homemade pastries, which I love about this place, too, uh, in addition to uh, their breakfast items. And as I mentioned yesterday, as we go through, Chris and I always co- you know, find one thing, usually, at least one thing. Um, to obsess over. The, yeah. Uh, for instance, Chris and I both had the cinnamon roll bread pudding last week. Mm-hmm. Was that just absolutely amazing? It was. It was fantastic. It would be a reason that I would go to Blue Bench Brunchette or Huck House Brunchette, just that alone would be a reason to go in. But so many other items I, are, are so great. I, I took bread pudding home to uh, both of the people at to, at home, and uh, uh, when they were saying, okay, what's this? What's this? What's this? Mm-hmm. And when I got to that, I said, well, that's bread pudding. And both of them were like, well, I don't like bread pudding. And I said, <laughs> eat it anyway. I will say I once took the bread pudding home. It's not near as good as if you eat it hot 
at that's one of the things that don't travel home well. Okay, as good because you don't take the mason jar home. And, the thing and is, they there's something even, about being they, served in a hot in a mason jar that makes it so wonderful. I, I, you know, took your advice and and figured that people this is the bread pudding for people who don't like bread pudding. So you know, try it. Yeah. What did they say after they tried it? They said, oh, that is good. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's basically like somebody, you know, made a cinnamon roll, a really good one. Crammed then, it in a mason then, jar. Yeah, crammed it into a mason jar and then poured cinnamon roll flavored goo on it. <laughs> um, the one thing that I absolutely love about Big City Coffee is their potatoes. And they're, they're not fried potatoes. They're mm-hmm. oven-baked potatoes, but it's the herbs that they put on it that are just absolutely amazing. See, i, I got to try that. I You've been crave talking about it. that for a couple of days. I crave it from this place. We'll talk a little bit more about this. This, this is coming up Friday. We'll be there 6 until 10. They open up for breakfast at 7. It's a hometown handshake brought to you by Cloverdale Plumbing. And like I said, just make your plans for the next uh, couple of months. Every Friday, have breakfast with Chris and I. Let's get a check on what's going on uh, with sports this morning. Your first update brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian, the place to go for lunch every single day. If you like soup, they have fresh, made-from-scratch soups every single day. Today is one of their um, popular soups, most popular soups, jalapeno, bacon, potato, cheddar. And as I've told you over and over again, um, ask for an extra order of bacon to be chopped up and poured over the top of that <laughs> rather than crackers, and uh, you, you will thank me. Good morning. We'll start with some NBA news for you today. It's because the Los Angeles Lakers, who a lot of people thought were a championship caliber team, have actually been eliminated from the postseason after last night's game. Lakers head coach Frank Vogel spoke with the media after they fell to the Suns 121 to 110, ending their hopes for a postseason berth. It's just a different team. You know, uh, without getting into a lot of the details of why, that was a very different team. Uh, than we have this year, um, you know, and I would say that if LeBron and AD played 15 games together that year, we would have had a similar year than, than we're having right now. Now, you remember the Lakers had LeBron James, they had Anthony Davis, and they had Russell Westbrook. And a lot of people thought that trio would surely bring that team to the playoffs, if not an NBA championship. But Westbrook was not very good, AD's been hurt most of the season, and LeBron was trying to carry the team on his own. Well, it didn't work out so well for the Lakers, who are now out of the postseason. Even though they did win a 2020 title, a lot of people are going to say it's a pretty disappointing Lakers squad. I'm Rick Worthington. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. Tiger Woods, congratulations. You are once again the Masters champion. Ah, the Masters. Unofficially gets underway today with the uh, Par 3 tournament, which is an absolutely fun tournament to watch. Will be played at ESPN later today. I think I'd I'd be a terrible golf announcer because... You know, at, at some point, my emotions would go to you know, like up to like say fifty one percent or something. <laughs> uh, Tiger Woods, that was a really big thing. Um, the announcement from Jim Nance on CBS that was Tiger's final putt Sunday, April fourteenth, twenty nineteen, when he won his fifth Masters, mm-hmm. tying him for the lead. One more, and he would have the outright lead uh, over. Uh, 
Oh, I just Nicholson? Uh, yeah, Nicholas, I mean. Nicholas, Jack Nicholas. Not Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. He would also, if he were able to win this weekend, and man, that is, is so far out there, uh, but he would also uh, have the record for the oldest person mm-hmm. to ever win the Masters by a few months. You, you remember, uh, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It seems like it was the 80s, but uh, Jack Nicholas had not won a tournament in, mm-hmm. in a little while. Uh, and he was 46 years old, and he won the U.S. Open. And it was just such a huge deal that somebody that old could win the U.S. Open. You know, a major. I remember, yeah, I remember watching and, it. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, Tiger Woods is that age now, or or a little better. And it, it just, I don't know, 46 back then seemed a little older than it does now. <laughs> well, I think the, the, the golfers are, in, overall, in general, are in much, much better shape well, than they, they were back then. Yeah, they, they, work, they work out. They, they work out. Traveling they, uh, workout. Um, they lift weights. What do you call it? A, a van? Not a, it's not even a van. It's a motorhome, a traveling workout motorhome where they mm-hmm. set up and, and allow them to work out. Like a mobile gym. Now, you might be wondering, because there were some people saying that Tiger Woods will never walk again um, if he's going to be playing. He made an announcement yesterday. Well, as of right now, I feel like I am going to play as of right now. My recovery has been good. I've been very excited about how I've recovered each and every day, and that, that's been... The, the, the challenge. That's why I came up here and, and tested out for 27 holes. But it's the recovery. You know, how, how am I going to get all the you know, swelling out and recover for the next day? Um, so we've got another day of nine more holes and uh, then come game time. He has not uh, played competitively in a uh, PGA Tour event in 508 days. That's a long time not to play. But, I mean, he spent three months in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They, they, they thought at one point that he might have to have his leg amputated. So getting to this point is absolutely amazing. Um, and I've learned, I thought he was done and would never win another, another Masters. And this is, this is what fans were saying before he won his last Masters. Can Tiger Woods compete with the Justin Thomases, Jordan Spieths, Dustin Johnsons? No is the short answer. I'm sure you get this question a lot. Do you think he'll return his previous form? No. Do you think he stands a chance of being Tiger Woods we once knew? No. No, no, no. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. He is not ever going to win another tournament. I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win a golf tournament again. He's showing up at these tournaments and pretty much knowing that he's, he's not going to be there. The short game is gone. His health is gone. The next press release Tiger Woods should release should be I'm retiring. I have considered him now for the last five, six years a former golfer. You're washed. Just give up while you're ahead. Retire with some dignity. Tiger Woods that we all knew. He will never, ever be that guy again. Just to, to remind you, once again, some of those, those are fans, and you also heard uh, some of the talking heads from uh, ESPN talking about Tiger. Uh, those were their comments bef- right before he won his last <laughs> Masters. Keep in mind, since then, what has he won? Three or four tournaments since he won, including the, that Masters tournament. So like I said... Basically, they were saying he doesn't play quality golf anymore, and then he went right out and won, won the Masters. <laughs> and believe me, you have to play quality golf to win the Masters. You have to play quality, quality golf to be on the PGA. Well, true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just uh, to finish in the top ten... You have to play quality golf. So I think it's a real long shot. I don't – I've learned not to say never with Tiger, but I, it'll, I'll tell you one thing. 
ratings are going to go through the roof. Even yesterday, he had a practice round yesterday. Mm -hmm. The galleries following him for a stupid practice round Mm -hmm. were were huge. So even though the Masters always gets pretty good ratings with Tiger playing, it will be huge. Like I said, the Par 3 tournament is a a great thing to watch. The one thing you can guarantee you're going to see is a whole bunch of hole-in-ones uh, today, um, kids get and grandkids get a play. It's a very loose tournament, and it's mm-hmm. all on the par three Masters course. Um, so it's all short holes. It's a really fun thing. I've already hit the record button to uh, watch that. It, it'll get into way ESPN. I think at one o'clock this afternoon. Coming up, don't go away. Thanks for talking about this morning, dude. Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan lied during uh, her Nate Shelman interview on Monday. And you thought Idaho's uh, new abortion bill was pretty strict. Wait till you hear what happened in Oklahoma and Colorado yesterday. Um, one basically made it a uh, crime with uh, punishment of prison in one state, and the other uh, basically allows abortion uh, up until birth. I'll let you try and figure out which state is which, but we'll talk more about that here on News Talk KBOI. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you want to get through to us uh, this morning. Don't forget, uh, scrimmage, spring scrimmage for Boise State University is uh, going to be happening this coming Saturday and uh, KBOI, of course, the voice of the Broncos. We will be a part of that. Invite you to join us and also be a part of that once again coming up this Friday uh, or this Saturday, rather. Uh, pregame with Rick Worthington will uh, get underway from the Hall of Fame Plaza at Boise State. That gets underway at about two thirty, and then uh, Bob Beeler, Pete Cavender will give us a look at the 2022 Boise State football team around three thirty. Timing wise, is a little iffy. This isn't this isn't like a regular football game where there's a, a kickoff time. Um, and I talked to Bob Beeler yesterday, and he says, yeah, it, it's going to be iffy. They could be doing workouts or whatever, and then all of a sudden just decide, all right, it's time, it's time for the uh, scrimmage to begin. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it'll be loose, but you'll be able to hear it. Um, and then you can stick around after the game, share your thoughts with Prater in the ball game for Bronco game night. All this happens uh, on both 670 AM and 93.1 FM uh, on Saturday. Friday, Bob Beeler, uh, we're going to hang out all together. That's the plan uh, at Big City Coffee. He's going to come on in and he's going to, because he's been hanging out with the coaches and the team and watching some of the practices uh, here over the last couple of weeks, talking to the players. He's going to give us an idea of what the uh, coaches are going to be looking for as we head into this scrimmage. Uh, what are the, some of the weaknesses? What are some of the strengths and uh, what what their goals are with the scrimmage and then after the scrimmage on monday we're also going to talk to him uh to find out his impression of what the team looks like as we head into the summer sessions which coaches are no longer allowed to take part in in those sessions they're they're run by the players uh, ahead of the upcoming spring and like i said there's there's a lot of pressure probably on this coaching staff last year uh, because of uh, the last couple of years with the team, of course, one of those years, uh, Avalos was the head coach, and mm-hmm. before that, Harson was a head coach. But um, I don't think either team from the last two years uh, met expectations for Boise State in any way, shape, no, or form. No, not when it comes to the number of wins. No. Uh, the other thing, too, I, I, I don't know if you knew this or not. I didn't, I didn't realize this. This is not the only college spring scrimmage that is going to be happening here in the Treasure Valley this month. Uh, let's see, would there be one over in Caldwell? Uh, there's going to be one in uh, Eagle. 
Oh, Eagle. The University of Idaho Vandals. Oh, I didn't know doing, that. Yeah, I didn't know I it either. Way, I was way off base. Um, I have a, a friend who's uh, part of the uh, Alumni Association and uh, kind of in charge of getting things together uh, for fundraising and things like that here in the Treasure Valley. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's uh, scrim- scrimmage. They're bringing the team to uh, Eagles Thunder Stadium mm-hmm. um, the last Saturday of the month. I think it's, I don't have a calendar right here. I believe it's 29th, if I remember correctly. So tickets are already on sale for that. They're selling tickets. Um, I think it's brilliant, actually, because there's a there's probably more Vandal fans here in the Treasure Valley uh, than the entire rest of the state combined. Even, more you know, than likely, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know the University of Idaho campus is at a, Moscow. A very, but, very large number of the attorneys in this uh, yeah. area went to law school in, in Moscow. Yeah, my attorney uh, graduated uh, from uh, Moscow. That's good news twice. I, yeah, um, so there, there will be a large contingent, I'm sure, coming down. Um, from all over the state to watch the uh, Idaho Vandals spring scrimmage. But if you are a Vandal fan, there, now you have uh, a little bit of the information that you have. And if you'd like to get your tickets, you can uh, look that up uh, and get your tickets. Uh, I do. The Vandal Ticket Office. It's at Thunder Stadium, which is where Eagle High School plays. I do. I do still wish that uh, Boise State and Idaho and Idaho State were all in the same division somehow. I I wish that they just played yeah. Every well, every yeah. once in a while, not it, it, maybe not every year, but I mean, look at the teams that you know Boise State has has filled, you know, mm. their schedule with. They could easily have kicked out one of those teams and had a huge sellout, you know, at the stadium if they would just pu- play yeah. just every once because those More those were such fun games uh, to go to back in the day. You know, you had the, what was it, 12-game win streak the mm-hmm. Idaho Vandals had, and then the Boise State turned around and had a 13-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's why Boise State quit. It was like, okay, we won. We, are, we won 13 straight, so we won. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Idaho streak started the year before I was started college. So, of course, the whole time I was in college, we never had a chance at beating Idaho. That had to be frustrating. And then the next seven years after that, too. <laughs> KVI News Time. Uh, you're not wrong. No. KVI News Time is 6.45. I, I, can, I can do that much math. Time uh, to get a check on uh, what's going on with sports. Once again this morning uh, with Rick Worthington. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian. The place to go for lunch. Check out the menu before you go. If you don't want to stand in line and mouth agape trying to figure out what you want, you can go to fatguysfreshdeli.com. It is a new menu. Good morning, I'm Rick Worthington. A second Boise State men's basketball player has decided to declare for the upcoming NBA draft, and this one also entered his name into the transfer portal. Redshirt senior guard Emmanuel Acott, who does have an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID-19 pandemic, announced on social media over the weekend that he does plan to test his NBA draft stock while maintaining that final year of eligibility. Acott, who transferred to Boise State, you remember, from Arizona, also said that he planned to explore all his options by entering the transfer portal. The Idaho Statesman reports Acott joins teammate Marcus Shaver Jr. in planning to test the NBA waters. Shaver also declared while leaving himself the option to return to the Broncos. And then there's fifth-year senior Abu Kijab, who is out of eligibility, uh, Malden Armouche has not yet said whether he'll return for an additional season with the Broncos or not. So a lot of things on hold for this next season of Bronco basketball. I'm Rick Worthington. 
for your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. On the way, uh, also on Friday, in addition to uh, us being uh, out for breakfast and broadcasting, inviting you to stop on by and uh, say hi at Big City Coffee in downtown Boise, uh, Friday morning uh, at 9 o'clock, KBOI Sweet Deal of the Week will get underway. This week, I promise it's happening. Um, it's <laughs> R&R Barbecue's Sweet Deal of the Week this week. Um, you'll be able to get yourself award-winning barbecue chopped and sliced brisket uh, my, I don't know about your favorite, but my favorite is just brisket. I don't care mm, if it's chopped, yeah. sliced, in strips or whatever. I, I kind of like it. Uh, I prefer it sliced, but you know, uh, you're right. I mean, it tastes the same either way, pretty much. By the way, uh, this is a award-winning brisket. They uh, have won nine championships on, on on their brisket. They also have brisket tacos, uh, and for those of you who do like pudding, bread pudding, they have banana bread pudding. <laughs> Uh, that's all this Friday morning, 9 a.m. Easy to do. Just go to KBOI.com, click on that Sweet Deals link uh, just before 9 o'clock, and you can get that $50 gift certificate for just $25. The great thing about R&R Barbecue, too, is they opened up a new location in downtown Boise right across from the Zion's Bank building, so you can go to the Village mm-hmm. at Meridian. Up, upstairs. Yep, or uh, right across from the Zion's Bank building. Two locations for you to use your $50 gift certificate. Once again, KBOI.com. On the way in the 8 o'clock hour today, a couple of things. Governor Brad Little will be with us at 835. At about 815, we'll be asking our Casper and Chris damn near impossible question once again for you today, and it's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network five locations across the treasure valley plus sun valley and idaho falls for all your real estate needs call 208-888-4128 our question today what is the most isolated big city in the world in other words it's the farthest distance away from another city with at least a hundred thousand people all right it's over 2400 miles away from another city with a population of a hundred thousand people wow so if you know the answer stick around the eight o'clock hour will give you a 50 dollar gift certificate for free to blaze Pizza, your chance to win, coming up. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 706, good morning. Thanks for uh, being with us this morning. The Dow Futures, just to let you know, down over 200 points ahead of the opening here in just a little bit. We'll find out from Jeremiah Bates what his uh, thoughts are and uh, why we're going to be uh, down, it looks like, at the beginning. All the indexes uh, so far down. Twitter, by the way, also, you saw a big rise after uh, Elon Musk had purchased Twitter. Uh, it's it's also down uh, uh, over a percent so far this morning. So look at that. Um, Elon Musk has lost millions of dollars on paper just because <laughs> it... Uh, it of course, he made millions I've, yesterday when he bought into it. I've done something similar. I've lost millions of paper dollars. <laughs> um, Nate Shulman talked uh, live in studio with uh, Lieutenant Governor and gubernatorial candidate Janice McGeehan on Monday. By the way, if you want to hear that podcast of the whole interview, she was here for uh, about an hour taking uh, calls um, from from our listeners and if you want to hear the interview, you can go to KBOI.com for the uh, podcast. And part of the conversation that they had and, and something that is being talked about um, for the last you know few months is uh, a budget shortfall in uh, McGeehan's office. Um, I'm going to let you take a listen. This, this, is, this was specifically talking uh, about 
uh, the budget problems. Take a listen. This is from Monday's interview with Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan. Well, last week, we didn't have anybody at the office last week just because I went home and I didn't have time to get somebody to come back into the office. But starting tomorrow, we do have someone back in the office at the lieutenant governor's office and we'll be taking phone calls and responding to constituents. Okay. Because they're going to make sure that uh, our, our, our people, our offices kept open and people's attention is going to be. Explain to me, because I don't fully understand what the whole office pay issue is. What is it? Is there, is there enough budget to keep people there or not? Or there's a budget coming later? What's What's the issue? Well, the media is putting out a lot of false information, but that's no surprise there, Nate. Um, we will have a balanced budget by the end of the fiscal year, which is through the end of June. Okay. But I, I, I really honestly don't think that most people of Idaho care that much about the lieutenant governor's small budget and how, how we're going to make it work. I care. I think people are much more concerned about their own budgets. I know, and- but I asked you to explain it to me because <laughs> I care. Well, because I have this thought, and I don't want to have that thought. I want you to explain it to me, okay. which, may, which may address that thought. Okay, what, what do you want me to explain to you? Uh, what is going on with the funding of people working in the office? Well, I had one, my, one, one staff member who submitted his resignation to me. Okay. And then during the legislature, so I have not yet had time to consider a full replacement for that person. Okay. I had one other part-time temporary person that has always worked in my office during the legislative session because that's a busy time and I and I need extra help during that time. Mm-hmm. So she, that person is also no longer there because she was there only for the legislative session focusing on communications. Um, but to, to answer your question, we will have a person in the office starting tomorrow. Okay, starting tomorrow. Yes. All right, funded and all that. The, yes. the budget's there. Okay, yep. all right. First of all, there are a lot of people who care about the budget. Well, it, they care whether it's being used correctly. They also care whether or not there's enough money to run her office. In a March 22nd letter to McGeehan, Chief Deputy Staff Controller Joshua Whitworth wrote that her projected office budget shortfall for fiscal year 2022 is $22,010.68, even if her office doesn't make another additional vendor payment or reimbursement for the rest of the budget year. The state is now saying that they will withhold Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan's salary if she does not fix the budget shortfall. Quoting here, as the superintendent of the state funds, the controller's office must advise you you cannot spend any funds beyond your appropriation and available cash. Whitworth wrote to her in a letter, which was obtained by the Idaho Capital Sun. The state's budget appropriation laws and the controller's constitutional duties prevent authorizing the issuance of any warrant that exceeds existing appropriations, including your lieutenant governor's salary. By the way, the state of Idaho's fiscal year runs from July 1st to June 30th every year. So you have uh, about two and a half, a little over two and a half more months of the budget year to get through, and she's already $22,000 in the red. Yeah, I don't think you can just move a few numbers 
this late in the game and uh, make that up at all. No. So, I mean, in, in the interview, she said uh, her budget is balanced. Uh, state controller says, no, that's not true. Um, the shortfall, by the way, in case you uh, don't remember, comes after District Court Judge Stephen Hippler ordered McGeehan in 2021 to pay court costs and fees to the Idaho Press Club after McGeehan lost a lawsuit over public records related to her 2021 education task force. Hippler uh, ruled that McGeehan acted in bad faith. He ordered her to pay the Idaho Press Club $28,973 in fees and court costs. State records indicate the state paid uh, the Idaho Press Club via a check on October 29th. McGeehan submitted supplemental funding requests to pay for the legal fee, saying she could not afford to pay out of her office's budget. However, the Idaho Legislature Joint Finance Appropriations Committee never acted on McGeehan's supplemental funding request during the just-completed 2022 session. Basically, I think, they didn't vote to yeah. fund it or not to fund it. They just basically I said, mean, nope, it's, it's up to you. I, I think that's because technically they weren't uh, suing the lieutenant governor's office. They were just suing the lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. Because she was not... She went outside of the attorney general telling her, You're, you, you can't win this case, so um, we're telling you to release the record. She decided not to and hire her own private attorney, and that's where the extra costs come in. Uh, now, during a March 17th press conference, McGeehan said it was the press that ultimately cost Idaho taxpayers that money. Mm, was it? Yeah. The Idaho Attorney General's office had previously put put out a statement saying it was McGeehan's own decision to stop working with the Attorney General's office and instead hire her own private attorney that cost the taxpayers money, not the press. She likes to blame the press for for a lot of stuff. That's that's you and I, Nate. Um, But her own words um, basically don't match up with, you know, Mm -hmm. what's coming out in in this story. so if we report that she says the bal- or the budget is balanced, but the uh, state controller says it's not, then we're putting out some kind of information. We're lying. Inter- oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're lying because she said that the budget is balanced. Okay, and and we reported that, and maybe and then somebody else said it's not, and we reported that. Maybe uh, I don't know how much money she is still due over the last couple of months, but if the state withholds her salary, if she doesn't. Fit, fix the uh, budget shortfall. No, even in the last two and a half months, it's not enough because she only makes about $48,000 a year. As lieutenant governor? As lieutenant governor. I didn't even know it was that much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that wouldn't even be enough. Uh, it, withholding her salary still would not balance her budget. My guess is, I don't know how this works. She's probably going to have to put in her own money. If she used that money, some of her money to, you know, pay her lawyers mm-hmm. in for that lawsuit... She's probably going to have to pay that out of pocket, would be my guess. And naturally, she would rather avoid that. I would imagine. But she may be at the point where, you know, because of the press, she's not able to do that. Damn you, Chris Walton. I take full responsibility. KVY News Time 715. We'll talk uh, a little bit more about this this morning. If you would uh, like, go ahead and email us, chris at kvy.com, mike at kvy.com. Right now, though, it's time for another check on what's going on uh, with sports with Rick Worthington, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian, the place to go for lunch every day. Monday through Saturday, they begin uh, serving their delicious, made-from-scratch food every morning at 1030. Good morning. Just after we got off the air yesterday morning, there was a big announcement from Tiger Woods. Looks like he wants to play in the Masters. Well, as of right now, I feel like I am going to play as of right now. This comes as a bit of a surprise to some. Tiger Woods was injured in a very serious car accident back in February of last year. But Tiger Woods says he feels pretty good and he wants to play. 
my recovery has been good. I've been very excited about how I've recovered each and every day, and that, that's been the, the, the challenge. That's why I came up here and, and tested out for 27 holes, because we, we played the par three course. Charlie couldn't help himself. Um, so was able to play uh, 27 holes that day um, and at home testing it. But it's the recovery. You know, how, how am I going to get all the you know, swelling out and recover for the next day? And uh, my team has been fantastic and worked very hard. Um, so we've got another day of nine more holes and uh, then come game time. Tiger has been practicing at Augusta pretty much all this week. He hasn't played in a tour event since that car accident. But as the Masters begins tomorrow, it looks like Tiger Woods will be in the field. Surprise, surprise. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI. Boise. Jeremiah Bates once again with us this morning to talk about uh, your money. Uh, Dow down yesterday. This morning, NASDAQ is down over 200 points. The Dow is down over 200 points. Standard & Poor is uh, down this morning. Uh, It's all in the uh, futures ahead of about eight minutes in the opening. What the hell happened? Who said something that caused uh, the markets to be rattled this morning? Jeez, Mike, doom and gloom this morning. It's just right across the board nonstop. Okay. Something had um, to happen overnight is, is the only thing that I could figure that you see this this much red this early in the morning. What we really saw it on the about the last hour of yesterday's trading session. So um, you had more hawkish commentary from the Federal Reserve, mainly uh, Lael Brainerd um, coming out saying that the Federal Reserve is prepared to take stronger action. I mean, really coming out and saying that, hey, it, this inflation is kind of unacceptable and now these moves that we need to make as far as rising interest rates and unwinding our balance sheet it's warranted so now you got to look at okay what what does this mean like what's the fallout well now we're seeing the 10-year treasury yield the 10-year treasury bond government bond uh the yields are spiking when now when these yields spike it just means that there's downward pressure on the on the price of bonds it's an inverse relationship so when price goes up yield goes down um, when price goes down, yield goes up. So obviously, we're seeing yields go up, and these longer dated bonds. It's a problem for your your technology stocks. So that's why we saw the tech heavy Nasdaq come under the most selling pressure yesterday, because many of these fast growing or these big technology companies, their values based on the fact that they're gonna they're gonna produce a large amount of their profits profits many years in the future. You got to remember the market's forward looking. So when you see that, um, so when you see that these bonds are coming up, it's going to weigh down because these stocks are expensive. So the more expensive they are, the quicker they can decline when you start to see these bond yields rise. Uh, so that's one piece that we're seeing too. Um, additionally, the the reducing of the of the balance sheet. Now it's interesting because the the Federal Reserve balance sheet is is ballooned to over nine trillion dollars. So the comments that are made now, we're going to get some more indication of this today from the actual uh, meeting minutes that they release. But the statements made by uh, Federal Reserve uh, Governor Brainerd yesterday said, hey, we're not actually going to sell these mortgage-backed securities. We're not actually going to sell these bonds, which would have, which would severely affect liquidity in the market around these. They basically said, hey, we're just not going to purchase any more. And the, one, the existing ones that we have, we're just going to let them mature out. So 
really those hawkish comments rattled the market. So it's kind of now Wall Street is looking past the kind of Russia-Ukraine conflict, kind of past the the oil whipsaw that we're seeing. And they're looking primarily to, hey, is the Federal Reserve just going to throw a grenade on this? Are they going are they, are they to come in too hot and too heavy? At this point, we don't know. And this could be kind of a sell the rumor by the news where the market's just saying, hey, let, let's let's get a let's get in front of this um, and kind of model in the worst case scenario that the Met, that the Federal Reserve is going to come in too hot. And then perhaps, perhaps in their meeting minutes and moving forward that they come in a little less hawkish and they have a little bit more of um, a less aggressive stance. But all the comments that are being made, the, the, as, as soon as if anyone from the Federal Reserve makes a hawkish comment around raising interest rates and unwinding balance sheet, the market just seems to get rattled. So if you got a, <laughs> if you got some any any secret decoder pin of when they're going to make a statement like that, you you could probably get in ahead of this. But that's what's certainly driving the market right now. Yesterday and and today, it looks like it's going to carry on the same. I mean, can, it's carrying over all equities and crypto. Please tell those people down there to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of surprising, right? Because obviously we we've known this is going to come. We knew this was going to happen. But the problem is with the, the there's speculation. There's trying to get in front of it and trying to determine what the Federal Reserve is going to do. But the problem with that is trying to play that game of time or or trying to beat the Fed or trying to time what the Fed's going to do. It's a it's a losing game because at the end of the day, you you just really don't know when, um, what they're going to do until they do yeah. it. Because you're trying all, you're, you're trying to predict what they do, and you just, even though you can read the minutes, right? You you still don't know exactly what they're going to be doing because things could change between now and the next time they meet. Yes, and now the and now the resulting effect of this is now you're looking at mortgage rates increase. I think the 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 uh, rate for five percent, yeah, five percent. So you're time seeing since what twenty two thousand six, I think. Something yep, like and now you're seeing demand for mortgages down more than forty percent from a year ago. So you're kind of already starting to see this trickle down effect from what the 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 fallout of the Federal Reserve, right? Which at the end of the day, hey, they can't keep rates this low. They got to make this move. So. You know the writing was on the board, but yeah, we're seeing right. that. We're seeing that effect everywhere. All right, uh, market will open up. Looks like it's going to be opening up in the red. Coming up here in a couple minutes, we'll pay attention to what it does the rest of the day. We'll get an update from you uh, in just about an hour, and talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, gents. Be a part of the show at three three six thirty seven hundred or toll free one eight hundred five two nine KBOI. Now back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 741. Good morning. Thanks for being a part of the show. Remember, you can always be more of a part of the show if you'd like to participate. Just give us a call. Phone lines are open 6 to 10 every morning. 208-336-3700. That's toll-free from wherever you might be listening. Also, if you have a Verizon wireless phone, just hit pound 670. You can email Chris at KBY.com, Mike at KBY.com. Send us uh, an instant message for our fan page on Facebook. You can also text us, same as our Main number, 208-336-3700. Uh, one thing we haven't uh, had a chance to talk about, and this is going to be uh, pretty big news uh, for those people who will be heading to uh, Albertson Stadium to watch football games, and what Boise State Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey calls the most impactful enhancement at Albertson Stadium in more than a decade, the Broncos are going to install the largest video board in the Mountain West. Really? As a matter of fact, it's just outside the top 10 of the biggest video boards in the NCAA football world. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, that, 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 that's a benefit for somebody like, for instance, me. Exactly. Or anybody else, because it's going to replace, uh, if you want to know where it is, it, it, it's going to be on the south end zone, and it will replace that minuscule yeah. 
um, scoreboard that is there. So now there will be two video boards. You'll have one at the north end, and then you'll have this huge one, which is six times larger. Will they, will they be? Uh, will they be showing the same things at the same time, or are they going to be that? Separate? I don't know. Okay. That I don't know. Now um, the reason they're able to do this is because Malaluka based in Idaho Falls, Mm -hmm. has donated $4.5 million. That's the largest one-time facility gift in the history of BSU Athletics to fund the 6,000-square-foot scoreboard. So the scoreboard, I'd love to have this in my backyard, 120-foot by 50-foot. I'd like to have this in my bedroom. LED screen. Uh, I don't know if you could put this in your bedroom. Well, I'd like a much larger bedroom, obviously. Obviously. Uh, like I said, when completed, the screen will be just outside the top 10 biggest in college football. That, wow. That, I mean, this is going to make a, a huge difference. Now, no word on what vendor will be providing it, but the uh, current vendor for the uh, other um, video, which was, it, that was just installed a couple years ago, right? Well, the video board at the north end of the a, stadium. More than a couple, but it's, it's, it's relatively new as, as stadiums go. Um, was installed by Jumbotron, so there's a good chance that Jumbotron would be installing uh, this one because they do a lot of them for uh, college and pro football station uh, stadiums across the nation. Uh, the no- donation, by the way, highlights the fundraising uh, efforts Boise State has made since Dickey took over 15 months ago. Malaluka, uh, 134th member of the Lyle Smith Society, a designation for those who have donated over $25,000, which has now raised over $17 million in just two years. Just two years, they've raised seventeen million dollars. I'm now, still, I'm still short of membership. The <laughs> Dickey has uh, not been shy about his desire for Boise State to uh, join a power conference in the future, um, and uh, he said he is relentlessly continue to control what they control. Part of that of what they control, of course, is fundraising to get to the levels of some of those Power Five schools. Mm-hmm. Seventeen million in two years seems Ge- like a, a whole bunch. Geographically, the only one we're actually close to is the Pac. Uh, Twelve, yeah, uh, but it, you know th- there was a time when we uh, were all set to go into the Big East, and you know we we would have been playing teams from Philadelphia, Houston. I mean, you name it. The uh, Big Twelve, by the way, has has been talking about what, possibly moving to sixteen teams. That that might be unless the, that forces the Pac twelve and uh, another conferences to make sure that they have all sixteen teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, by the way, the plan is to have this sometime within the next uh, year, um, to have this uh, within this coming season, by the way, not next year, within this uh, upcoming season. Probably won't be ready for the first game of the season, home game, but uh, sometime during the season could be uh, ready to go. And by the way, right now, Colorado State has the largest board, and this would just completely dwarf Colorado State's board also. KBOI News Time, 745. Let's get another check on what's going on with sports this morning. Brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian, the place to go for uh, lunch every day. They open up at 1030. Today, one of their most popular soups, it is jalapeno bacon potato cheddar. And don't forget, we are just uh, about a week away, less than uh, 10 days away from the grand opening of their newest location, which will be uh, out near uh, Gowan Road in the Albertsons uh, Shopping Plaza. That will be coming up here on April 15th, and you'll have two different locations that you'll be able to to head to when it comes to great food, food from Fat Guy's Fresh Deli. Good morning. We mentioned this earlier today, but we want to reiterate that there's some big changes coming for the Boise State men's basketball team this season because a second Boise State men's basketball player has declared himself eligible for the upcoming NBA draft, but this one also entered his name into the transfer portal. 
redshirt senior guard Emmanuel Acott, one of the defensive anchors of the team, who does have an extra year of eligibility because of the pandemic, announced on social media over the weekend, and we have now confirmed that he plans to tend uh, test that is his NBA draft stock while maintaining his final year of eligibility. Acott, who was a transfer to Boise State from Arizona, said that he plans to explore all of his options, and that's why he entered the transfer portal as well. The Idaho Statesman reports Acott joins teammate Marcus Shaver Jr., who is also planning to test his NBA uh, draft status. Uh, He declared himself eligible while also leaving himself the option that he could return to the Broncos if the NBA draft doesn't look like such a good thing. Fifth-year senior Abu Kijab is also out of eligibility, so he's not going to be back. What about Armoush? He's not yet said whether or not he plans to come back for another season with the Broncos or not. So Boise State left up in the air on a number of those starting spots as of right now. I'm Rick Worthington. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Don't forget, Casper and Chris, hometown handshake, brought to you by Cloverdale Plumbing, coming up this Friday. As a matter of fact, just make plans, put it in your Google Calendar or whatever, and plan on joining us for breakfast every Friday as we broadcast live from various locations throughout the Treasure Valley for the next few months. This week, we will be at Big City Coffee in downtown Boise, uh, enjoying some fantastic breakfast. Uh, They have made-from-scratch pastries that you're absolutely going to love. You can take a bunch of that home if you would like, cookies, pastries, things like that, cakes, brownies. Um, And then... One of the, like I said, we keep telling you every place we go, they always have one highlight on their menu, and their oven baked potatoes are just the best potatoes I've ever had anywhere in the Treasure Valley. I'm so going to have to try those. You have just, to try them. You have raved about them. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to get your thoughts on it. it and it, it, it it's something that they put in it, and I asked them last time what it was, and they wouldn't tell me. Like they thought I was going to blab it on the radio but or we've, something. We, we've ruled out like crack, though, right? Um, no. <laughs> Quite frankly, no, because it, it's that good. It makes me, I've craved it, um, you know, when I go, and it, it'll be a day or two later. It's like, hmm, I need to get back there. Uh, Idaho's COVID-19 test positivity rate continues to drop. The state recorded only a few hundred cases in the span of a week. Data from the Idaho Department of Health, Health and Welfare shows uh, they reported the test positivity, positivity rate has now fallen to 1.4% for the most recent week available That's one-tenth of a percentage point lower than the previous week and another record low positivity rate for the state since the pandemic began two years ago. So since they started testing, this is lower than it's ever been since it began, which is great news. And if you remember, uh, mid-January, test positivity positivity rate peaked at nearly 40%. Mm. So we're down to about 38.5% right now. Boy, this is better, isn't it? Case numbers statewide remain low in the past week. Idaho Department of Health and Welfare reported 661 cases. So COVID is still going on, but uh, the cases are low. Uh, Nearly 72% of the 661 cases, by the way, um, were in Ada County. Health and Welfare uh, also reported a total of nine new COVID-related deaths. So even though it's low, you still have people who are getting sick with COVID, and you still have people die from uh, COVID-related deaths. And, and apparently some people then still spreading it around. Yeah. Idaho officials have recorded uh, 4,876 deaths and 444,210 total cases since the pandemic began. 
Uh, China, by the way, this is this is more proof that it it, it isn't going away. China right now um, has the highest rate of COVID that they have ever had since the pandemic started, which, by the way, started in China. So it's strange to see that even though it started there, some say as long as uh, October of 2018, sometime then, uh, over the last couple of years, they are now reporting the largest number of COVID cases that they've ever reported since COVID began, which is kind of strange, even though the... Just China, though, we're not. Just China, just China. Uh, also a reminder uh, for you, the uh, family of longtime KTVB meteorologist and Idaho philanthropist Larry Gebert. Um, they've announced that uh, they will have a funeral. I, I was kind of surprised, and I thought, okay, they have to make this a public funeral just because of how many people just absolutely loved him. Uh, but I thought it was going to be difficult because of how many, pe- many people loved him and how many people will show up. Um, they are going to do um, a, a funeral and inviting the public to gather and bid farewell to uh, Gebert. It will happen next Tuesday, uh, the 12th, 10 a.m. at Cathedral of the Rockies, located at 717 yeah, North 11th Street in Boise. Place with a bit of room, yeah. Yeah, they've got a, a, a bit of room. Uh, I'm going to just make a prediction right here and say there's not enough. You think it'll fill up? Uh, I think it'll be overflowing for sure. Uh, the service will be live streamed on KTVB.com in, in case you would like to avoid the crowds or maybe you might be at work during that time of the day. Um, Idaho State Senate Chaplain Doug Armstrong will officiate. Armstrong, you might remember, was general manager of KTVB from 1996 oh, to I was about to ask, is that the same Doug Armstrong? That's the same Doug Armstrong. All righty. Um, KTVB is announcing that cards may be dropped off at their building uh, on Fairview. Donations for charity in Larry's honor can be given to the Seven Cares Idaho Shares Fund at IdahoCF.org. By the name, by the way, if anybody's listening from uh, Channel 7, uh, here's my suggestion. Change the name of the uh, Seven Cares Idaho Shares fundraiser that they do every year and raise millions and millions of dollars. Change that to the Larry Gebert Seven Cares Idaho Shares fundraiser. That's not a bad idea. In honor of him, yeah. That's just my suggestion. You don't have to listen to me, but yeah, I, I think that would be an amazing idea because he was heavily involved in charities and especially that one. KBY News Time, 757. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get through, you can also email Mike at KBY.com. Chris at KBY.com. Update on the uh, stock market here. Down 285 points now that it is open. All three of the uh, indexes, uh, by the way, are down. NASDAQ is down even more than that. They're down 347 points mm. uh, this morning. We'll get an update from Jeremiah Bates here in just about 25 Minutes from uh, right now. Um, if you'd like to uh, weigh in with your comments this morning, you can on Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan's budget shortfall, about $22,000. Um, and apparently uh, she's being told to either get the budget in line and balance that budget, or she will no longer be paid her salary for the rest of the budget year, which, by the way, ends on June 30th. So mm-hmm. she's still got two and a half months 
to get the, the budget in line or the state is claiming that so, they will withhold her salary. So basically that's the rule. Then if you go over budget, they take it out of your salary? Apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, th- at least that's what it sounds like. Good, good to know. Curtis and Keela writes in, Lieutenant Governor is out of touch with the people. If she thinks we don't care how our tax dollars are spent, she is not fit for office representing the uh, people. Oh, boy. Yikes. Um, <laughs> once again... I, I will reiterate because we just again got uh, another text message into our text line at 208 336 3700. It's funny because I see this and, I, and it's just usually one word and I go, what are they talking about? What, what's going on? Um, it, it, it's because of the $25,000 payday. Oh. And somebody just texted us, huge. That's what she said. Um, you don't text the text line once again. I, I cannot reiterate enough. We do not pass this along. And when you text the word HUGE to 208-336-3700, it gets you nothing. You've got to text it to this number. So whoever whoever just texted us HUGE, text that same word to 95819. You still have a chance to do it. You have a chance to text that keyword anytime between the top of the hour when you hear it and the next keyword, which is given away an hour later. So you still have anybody hearing it right now, as a matter of fact. If mm-hmm. you're hearing the word HUGE, you, you just missed it. Text it, 95819. Uh, you have a chance to win $100 instantly and be in on the grand prize drawing on May the 2nd for $25,000. You'll be able to put a uh, 10% down payment on a new car. <laughs> 10%. They're kind of expensive uh, these days. I think you could you could probably get a, a Lamborghini for, for that much, couldn't you? Um, I don't know if you can uh, a Lamborghini yeah, I, anymore at, at that I'm price sure or not. I'm sure they've gone up like everything else. I like said. I said, I told you, and I saw this, uh, an advertisement comes across, uh, which is really creepy once again, because you and I were talking uh, just what, how many days ago? Three, four days ago about the price of a Jeep Wagoneer. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it, and then all of a sudden, the ads for Jeep Wagoneer start showing up on my Facebook page. Well, now you know the score. How does that happen? I don't get it. Anyway, uh, one of the ads that showed up, you remember I said it was over $100,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ads for a Jeep Wagoneer, 2021, not even a brand new one, 2021 Jeep Wagoneer, $114,000. Oh, my goodness. For a Jeep Wagoneer. I, I don't know what this car does for you or not, but man, for $114,000, that's a lot. Um, I think for $114,000, it should drive you itself uh, perfectly safely. And, and at the same time, you sit in the back seat and watch a brand new movie. And get a back massage uh, at the same okay. time, I, that, I, I would say, for $114,000. That would probably be a good addition. I mean, yeah. I know cars have gone up. I mean, we've talked about, I mean, Rick, for instance, uh, has told us, uh, I think he's had a couple, like three changes in his vehicles over the last mm-hmm. few years because the vehicles that he buys keep being worth more than what he paid for them, and they're right. all used vehicles, so he keeps upgrading. Uh, my ex-wife ha- had an SUV last year uh, that she was leasing, and there were three months l- left in the lease, and the leasing company had called her up and said, we will give you $5,000 in cash if you return your lease three months early. And she's like, hell yeah. <laughs> so she returned her lease yeah, normally three months early, and they paid her $5,000 in cash, or, and she didn't have the lease payments either. Right. Normally, when you re- return a lease, they don't give you anything. You no. Know, you say, hey, thanks. Yeah. You don't have to pay for it anymore. And if, if you have too many miles on your lease, you actually have to pay them more money or if there's any damage mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, so it's absolutely uh, crazy. Uh, lots of free money still being handed out. I don't know if you saw this uh, in the news yesterday. 
Um, student debt limbo will continue for a few more months. President Biden says he plans again to extend the moratorium on federal student loan payments. Now it will go on through August 31st. The AP reported citing a federal official. It's the fifth extension since the pause took effect back on March 2020. This time, Biden says inflation is climbing, gas prices are soaring, and Russia's invasion of the Ukraine causing prices to go up. All the while, the nation's $1.7 trillion student debt portfolio continues to grow. Because this money just doesn't sit there. I mean, there's still interest that has to be paid on this. Um, No idea on on what's going to happen. Borrowers likely will appreciate the extra wiggle room, but buyers, and I know this because I I have a child who is paying student loans back, um, pays the absolute minimum. And and I asked him, I said, hey, look, I understand that student debt is, is, I mean, no debt's real good debt, but I mean, student debt is better than other debts because like mortgage, loans, those are the only two things that you can get a write-off on your taxes for when it comes to the interest payments. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I said, I, I get why why you're paying, but I go, what, you want this paid off, you don't want this here 15 years from now, and you're paying the minimum, why are you just paying the minimum? You know what his response was? No. Because I think the federal government is eventually going to take away my student debt, and I will never have to pay it, so I don't want to be paying any more than I have to if they're going to give it back to me for free. And I had to inform uh, him again, once again, that that is not free. That's taxpayer money mm-hmm. that would be paying that back. I like his logic. I mean, you know, at least he's yeah, thinking I, of it. I, 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 100%. I, it's like, okay, I get it. I, you're, you're right. Because Biden administration is still being pushed by Democrats to write off all the student loan debts or at least a portion of the debts, whether that's ten, fifty thousand dollars right. $50,000, whatever. The only thing is, if you do that, is that fair for you? I don't know. If, did you take out student loans? No. I didn't either. So is if is that fair for people who said, I don't want student student loan debt? Where do we get our money? Or people that have already paid off. Say they, mm-hmm. they had $100,000 in student loan debt, and they did everything they can to pay off their student loan as quickly as possible. Why is it fair for them not to have their loan they're well, debt forgiven when I people would, who are, are just paying the minimum amount as long as they can all of a sudden say, hey, we're, we're going to pay it off for you. We're just going to give it to I, you for free. I would respond to that two ways. Uh, the first is to say it's obviously not fair. And the second it would be to say, well, nobody ever said life was fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see, you see some of the same things happening um, because California is discussing reparations, reparation payments. And the discussion that could take years, if not decades, if ever, that they come to an agreement on is they can't come to a fair and equitable reparations payment. On, the state of California? Yeah. On who would, who would get reparations, whether it be somebody who actually had a family member that can be proven to be in slavery, or if it's just all black people would get it. It's or, interesting that you know, it's, it's not as a nation, but, but one state. One a, state. A, yeah. a state that wasn't even a slave state. No. No. But... It, it, it's going to be interesting to watch if they can, you know, actually codify or come up with a way to to make. First of all, they're not going to make everybody happy. I mean, well, you even, never do. Yeah, even if you, if they just say, you know, every person, because I mean, part of the thing they're talking about is that you know, reparations would only be paid to family members or people who were born before a certain date. 
Okay. You know, and, and I, I don't think there's anybody out there that would say that, you know, there's still a certain amount of racism going on that, you know, say, say after the Jim Crow law era kind of ended. You know, that's that's part of the thing they're talking. If you're born after so that, civil, then you're, you're civil not... Civil rights legislation, yeah. maybe 1964. Yeah. Okay. If you're born after that, then you're not due any reparations. Well, is that fair? Because, you know, people who were born in, say, 1970 might still have, have you know, seen the effects mm-hmm. of, you know, not, not being treated fairly. Um, and so that's the argument that they're going through. And I think you're going to see the same argument when it comes to uh, student debt. That's my personal feeling. 208-336-3700. There's yes. always the argument that if you borrow money, you should just pay it back. Yeah, that's true, too. I, I, that's the way I feel. If you borrow it, you should have to pay it back. Because once again, like we said, this is free money. Like it's I said, called free money, but it's and, not free and, money. And like I said, nobody's ever said life was fair, but uh, I did have to pay back everything I've ever borrowed. We got our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question coming up here next. Don't go away. $50 gift certificate to uh, Blaze Pizza could be yours right after traffic. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. We've got a $50 gift certificate today to Blaze Pizza. That'll uh, feed a bunch of you. Uh, By the way, your Blaze Pizza gift certificate can be used for any location of Blaze Pizza. Boise, Nampa, Meridian, get into Blaze Pizza uh, today and uh, get your wonderful tasting pizza. Kevin's going to get first crack at our question today. Kevin, what is the most isolated big city in the world? In other words, it is the farthest distance away from uh, any other city with at least 100,000 people. We also gave a hint. It's over 2,400 miles away from another city with a population of over 100,000. Okay, um, I'll be, I'm going to be going to this place next month. It's Perth, Western Australia. That is not it. That's not it? That is not it. Keep trying, okay. Kevin. Um, and look at this. Just as quickly as I say keep trying, Kevin, here's Kevin back on the phone. <laughs> Although it's a different Kevin. Uh, uh, Kevin, most isolated big city in the world, farthest distance away from any other city with at least 100,000 people. Honolulu, Hawaii. Honolulu, Hawaii is it? Yes. 2,400 miles, a little over 2,400 miles away from Daly City, California. Uh, By the way, uh, the next in line, Anchorage, Alaska, second Mm -hmm. most isolated big city, 1,300 miles away from Vancouver. Which you asked me the question earlier, and I guessed Anchorage. uh, That was a good guess. I'd spaced off Hawaii completely. Kevin, congratulations. Uh, Have you ever been to Blaze Pizza? Yeah, it's good. It is good, and you've got a $50 gift certificate absolutely free for answering her question. Hang on the line. Get some information from you. Don't forget, uh, if you didn't win this morning, plenty more chances for you to win. We've got another chance tomorrow morning and Friday morning with a Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. We'll take a break. We've got news at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, Governor Brad Little will be with us this morning. Once again, uh, Now we, we talked to the governor just before the start of the legislative sessions about his hopes and dreams of the legislative session, how he wanted to see uh, money spent, how the $1.9 billion surplus he wanted to see spent. Um, we're going to talk to him now and find out what he thinks about the legislative session. If you have questions for the governor, and once again, this is specifically having to do 
with the legislative session that just wrapped up. You have a chance to get those questions in. Email us right now, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. We always have a chance to get some of those questions in, but we'll talk to the uh, governor about his thoughts about the legislative session, um, what he uh, liked about it, what he didn't like about it, if there was anything uh, that he didn't like, and some of the specifics uh, we'll ask him about, including the Coronavirus Pause Act, in which he vetoed, and the legislature decided to not override those questions and answers and more all on the way after the bottom of the hour. Governor Brad Little live with us here on News Talk KBOI. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. It is 836, 36 degrees in downtown Boise. He is Chris Walton. I, for the next half hour, will be uh, known as Mr. Devil's Advocate. And we have on the line with us Governor Brad Little. Now, uh, we talked to the uh, governor uh, just ahead of the uh, legislative session that uh, just a little over three months away. Man, it seems like a long, t- long much longer than that. Um, but we got a, an idea from the governor on his uh, thoughts, his hopes, his dreams for the uh, legislative session before it began. So now we uh, talk with the governor again about the legislative session that just wrapped up to find out what his thoughts are on the uh, legislative session. Um, we'll start things off here, Governor. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being bad, 10 being good, your thoughts on how much of your goals, budget proposals, and expectations were met in this legislative session? 9.71. Oh, Wow. So it not, that's almost a 10. Uh, however, there, there apparently was something you didn't like. Um, what, what can you tell us that, that didn't get done or was yeah, a disappointment the, to you? The point two nine. Yeah, that point two nine. <laughs> there, uh, well, some of it, the legislature actually spent a little more money than I proposed. But, of course, um, our revenue numbers were good. And, you know, I proposed what I Never thought I'd do an 8% increase in, in general fund spending. And the legislature actually, if you use a cruel, cruel accounting, did about 10. But I, it, it was awful hard for them to all come to town and not do some other things, given everybody waving a $2 billion surplus in the air. So uh, so I, I fully understood that. I would watch the budget committee every day and they'd spend a little more and spend a little more, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, that aside, all my big goals, and you talked about my hopes and dreams, uh, you know, my three great big ones, which was record tax relief, record investments in K-12 and record investments in transportation. And, and then yesterday we celebrated with the legislative and judicial branch, all the great things we d- we've done in behavioral health. Uh, you know, these were aspirational for me four years ago, and we frankly got almost all of them. To, we, you know, there's still work to do on some of these areas, and and of course, as far as road funding, we've got the same problem with roads. Everybody has everything else, and that's inflation. What we could have done on a road job, you know, two years ago compared to what we can do today is about twenty to twenty five percent less. Now, um, I ask you what your your personal feelings were with your goals, and you, and you may have the same answer here, but I wanted to get on a scale of 1 to 10 also. Uh, what did you think of uh, the legislative session overall this year? Oh, that's a damn near impossible question. 
Wait, wait a minute. That, that, that's our thing. Yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, it's what? Uh, is it? Is no, it, it was fine. It was fine. I, there's always something, and and so many of the bills that come up are blocking maneuvers for what's happening in other states. Uh, you know, they'll see something happening in California or one of the East Coast states, and the legislature, uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, you know, the narrative is we've got this huge problem in Idaho. We don't have the problem in Idaho. It's what people perceive is happening in other states. And I understand that. As a matter of fact, when I was in the legislature, I was probably a part of it a couple times. And we're just we're just so bored here because, you know, everything's everything's good that we just solve problems that exist in other states then. Well, actually, uh, it's good that you would ask that. Because just yesterday, and this is a, a, the, the Economic Innovation Group, and they're a pretty big group, out of all the counties in the United States, the top 10 leading counties in physical business establishment was Canyon County, Ada County, and Kootenai County. Wow. All, th- all three of them with a 23% change from uh, 2019 to the third quarter of last year. Uh, in the 500 largest counties. So, uh, you know, business formation, employment, uh, you know, we're just knocking the cover, cover off the ball from one end of the state to the other. You told us before the session started that one of your big goals was uh, funding literacy. How well did we do uh, during the session? Perfect. They, I, uh, and we actually went back and forth. Uh, I, what I wanted to do was make sure that the school districts had full flexibility to use the literacy money to fund all-day kindergarten, optional all-day kindergarten, and they did that. It took a little work to get it through, but uh, and it wasn't exactly the way I would have done it. I wouldn't have put any strings on it because I tend to trust school boards, but the legislature uh, put some strings on it, but and, and some of it's accountability, and I'm all in for that, but no, we... Uh, they did perfect because we went from we've increased four or five hundred percent the amount of money we put into literacy, which is really important after the pandemic. Some of these kids have got behind. So, you know, we we hope and we believe that by this time next year, all these kids will be caught back up from the and and even ahead of where they were before that. One of our listeners wrote in and asked, uh, do we have an obligation to teach people to read and then tell them what not to read? <laughs> uh, that's another damn near impossible question. <laughs> um, I'm right. I got to uh, write these down so we can ask these in uh, <laughs> in the future. <laughs> but if, uh, you know it. But again. Uh, you know, some of that is what they see taking place in other places. I was, uh, day before yesterday, I was in the Coeur d'Alene Library where we uh, worked on our offer- Operation Esto Perpetua to address the fentanyl problem. And uh, I didn't see anybody in that in the kids' section of the Coeur d'Alene Library that looked like they were uh, reading nefarious uh, things that looked like they were trying to learn to read. Oh, good. One place at least, then. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Governor Brad Little uh, again this morning. And, uh, Governor, other than 
property taxes, which didn't get addressed, and we'll get to that here in, in just a few minutes, probably one of the most cussed and discussed things that happened. And once again, I, I, I already know kind of because in talking with you in the past, uh, your answer is going to be here, but playing devil's advocate, um, Coronavirus Pause Act. How can you as governor be um, so against civil rights of Idahoans by not stopping private businesses' rights to force their employees to inject a non-tested vaccine into their bodies? Well, that is the mere image, the opposite of the way I view it. It's I view it as why would we if a if a business sits down with their employees and I know some small businesses, these aren't just large businesses that say we can't afford to be shut down. You know, they've got a profit sharing, they're employee owned uh, and, and they'll still have exemptions for religious and other other exemptions but we want everybody to get vaccinated we want it to be the standard there that's an in many instances that's an arm's length uh, agreement between the employee and the employers and of course they exempted the you know the people the large classes that people were worried about anybody that does business in another state where they have to be vaccinated, which is a whole bunch of businesses, all the health care, which is a whole bunch of businesses, the government contractors, they literally exempted a huge part of it. And I said, why are we picking on the few companies that are left that have probably got an arm's length decision uh, that they want to have it? So that's that was my it's always been my position. Just a follow up to that. Do you know how many um, private businesses were in the state of Idaho this in the, over, during the pandemic have required their employees to get tested. I mean, we no, know of, we know of a few, but it, do you know a total number? Uh, there's a lot more than uh, most people talk about. There's the there's the larger ones, uh, but a lot of them just said, you know, we cannot have the disruption. Uh, the, the disruption in our our business model particularly if we're seasonal business where, you know, five, 10, 15% of them might be gone. And, and we're providing a service to people that expect, uh, and I, you know, I think this is a problem of the past given the vaccination rate and the amount of uh, immunity, natural immunity or immunity that's in there. So it's, it's really addressing a problem of the past and not a problem of the future. You know, what people were really worried about were the federal uh, vaccine mandates that I opposed successfully. I was part of the group of governors that litigated and stopped the three different federal mandates. Governor Brad Little with us this morning. It is 846. Need to take a quick break. We've got uh, one more segment still on the way. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about property taxes and the uh, emergency declaration, which ends next week. That's coming up here next on News Talk KBOI. It's 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Is Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper, playing devil's advocate for uh, another segment this morning. Governor Brad Little is uh, with us once again, talking about the just wrapped up legislative uh, session. Um, Governor, one thing I wanted to ask you about was the uh, out-of-the-box thinking on uh, a property tax proposal. Because once again, we got a little bit done on property taxes. Uh, Most people would say not enough. I wanted to get your spot specifically, though, on the proposal 
for property taxes um, that would get rid of about two-thirds of people's property taxes on their homes, but would incur a sales uh, tax increase from 6% to 7.85% and uh, also give uh, $175 grocery tax rebate to every Idahoan. I know it, it didn't get through this legislative session, but we're hearing that it could possibly been, be brought up again next year after uh, an education process uh, goes through this year. What were your thoughts on that out-of-box thinking? Well, big tax policy needs to be deliberated a lot because, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Payette and, and uh, Prudland right next to the state line uh, down here, uh, Lewiston, Clarkston, Moscow, Pullman, Coeur d'Alene, Spokane, any place where across the border there is no sales tax, you've got to hear from those communities about a big increase in sales tax and what will it do to you know, appliance sales, car sales, RV, you know, fill in the blank. So it needs to be studied. But we, you know, they did increase the grocery tax credit uh, by 20%. Uh, but one of the things in property taxes that people are going to see, you know, pretty soon is all the money that we made available for schools, sewer, water, roads. A lot of your property taxes, you know, particularly your city property taxes, goes to pay for those services, the significant input that we put into those systems means that, you know, your your sewer rate may go down, your water rate may go down, your, you know, what your roads are going to get fixed and, and an increase for roads is going to go down. Those are all drivers of property to, and schools in particular, uh, where some school districts were paying for kindergarten with supplemental and some of them were paying for health insurance. We took care of the health insurance, uh, you know, not perfectly, but a lot for the districts. So all those are drivers of property tax. So, you know, a year from now, we'll have a better idea about, uh, you know, or eight months from now, uh, we'll have a better idea about what the cumulative effect of all those things were to drive down property taxes. We have a listener, Steve, who wrote in, and he says uh, it, it seems as if the legislature has an attitude toward vaccine and masks of, of my body, my choice, but a, an opposite attitude toward abortion. And he wants to know, why is that not hypocrisy? Um, well, you know, we're, we're very much, uh, you know, a pro-life state, and that's, it shouldn't be a big surprise there. And, and of course, we're also a state, you know, we're one of the, we've got the laxest uh, standards for vaccination uh, for students of almost every state. So that's, that is a constant here in Idaho. So uh, I see, you know, there is, there's, there's some legitimacy to arguing that those things, there is some hypocrisy there, but it really is just, it shouldn't be a surprise that both of those exist here in Idaho. Is is the uh, the attitude more that in in the one uh, case there's one person involved and in the other there'd be two people involved? Uh, probably, I I, I uh, but it's but it shouldn't be any surprise. That's okay. been that's been the standard here for a long time, uh, Governor. The uh, emergency declaration uh, ends, I believe it's uh, April 15th, correct? Right. Um, why 
has it taken so long for the emergency declaration? And I'm asking this because we get so many listeners talking about uh, that they think the emergency declaration could have been done a long time ago, but the only reason you kept it is because the, you want federal money. Well, I mean, there's some validity to that. Uh, it's federal money that's our federal money that's available to all the other states. And in fact, our healthcare capacity did, if we did not have the, the FEMA money and that's, Often, you know, there's the immediate issue on an emergency, you know, a flood, fire, pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then the emergencies, because of the way the system works, are kept open. So there's funding available. I've got emergencies open on fire, uh, some of them that are seven, eight, nine years old, because there's uh, federal money there that hasn't been expended yet. Uh, I don't necessarily like that, but that's the way the system is. All the states do that. Uh, one of the reasons that we put this date on here uh, was we got about because 10 we, seconds wanted the, we wanted the hospitals to know that that cost share was going to go away so they could be prepared. Got it. Governor Brad Little, thanks for taking a few moments and talking with us this morning. Uh, much appreciated. All right. Thank you, guys. 208 336 3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless phone line. And Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208 336 3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. You can email uh, Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. You'd like to talk about the uh, visit with the uh, governor, Brad Little, that we just had? Please feel free to uh, do that. Got an email uh, in from something we were talking about last hour on reparations. Uh, no name on this says, I don't think we can put a cutoff date on reparations. We just now, today, this week, 2022, made lynching illegal. Well, actually, it was illegal before. They made it a, they made it a hate crime. Yeah, they made it a hate crime. It's all, it, it, lynching has been illegal for a long time. Uh, I know most of your listeners do not believe in white privilege, generational wealth, or redlining, but just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Whether you like it or not, uh, it does, and we have no idea what it's like until we act a while, uh, a mile on another person, in another person's shoes. How can you repair something you don't even understand? I totally get that. And that right here is a perfect example of what California is going through and trying to decide. And, and they're saying it could take decades before they can come to any sort of agreement yeah. of reparations because of arguments like this. Reparations. Where, where do you stop reparations? Um, do you have reparations just for black people? What about what about indigenous uh, indigenous people? The, I mean, it started way before slavery. Believe me, that's been brought up as well. Uh, what about Asian people that were put into uh, camps? That's also been during World up. War II. Um, you know, where does reparations start, uh, and where do they stop? I mean, do you draw the line at as you are used the, to saying? It goes. How about we draw the line right here? Whether I'm for it or against it, one of the best arguments I ever heard for reparations. It was clear back in about 1970. Uh, a, a guy asked uh, all the, the congressmen, it was a, a, a black gentleman, and he said, uh, how much did your grandparents leave you in their will? And he says, mine didn't leave me anything because everything was taken away from them. Therefore, it was, it, it was passed down to generations that we had nothing. And he says, I've, I've made something of myself since then. You know, congratulations. But mm-hmm. it was guaranteed that I had no inheritance whatsoever. So, I mean, that, it, it was just a good argument, I thought. I mean, I, 
like I said, I, I don't uh, necessarily know what's right about or, or wrong about this, but I, I thought that was a decent argument. I don't know how California is going to have uh, the money to do reparations, you know, with all the uh, other free money that they're Jeez. giving away. It's almost like they're not scared of going deep, deep <laughs> into deeper debt. In, deeper into debt. Um, take a listen to what uh, a program that is uh, going to be happening, I believe, what is today? The sixth? It's either today or tomorrow that uh, L.A. residents will begin applying for $1,000 a month for the next three years to use however they wish. Mm -hmm. Take a listen. South L.A. residents started lining up outside Community Coalition early, wanting to be the first to apply for BREATHE, L.A. County's new guaranteed income program. The pandemic hit me pretty hard, you know, and uh, it it would do some help for me. Marshall Bell hopes he's eligible. If so, he could become one of a thousand people in L.A. County to get $1,000 a month for the next three years. There's never been a guaranteed income program lasting that long. Well, I would uh, pay my bills, you know, to help me uh, do something, uh, uh, you know, around around the house. The money doesn't have any strings attached. One person could use it for rent. Someone else could buy groceries or gas. Carlos Leon thinks the freedom is what makes guaranteed income programs more effective than the other entitlement programs currently available. You could also use it to buy drugs if you wanted. There, I, I can see how... Uh, there is no limit. I can see how the freedom to do whatever you want uh, with money would be probably more popular than uh, the burden of having to work 40 hours a week for it. The income limits, by the way, uh, go up to $96,000. So a family of four where the uh, family makes less than $96,000 would be able to uh, apply $4,000 a person, which, Which by the way, would be $4,000 a month for that family of four. uh, Yeah, I mean, if a family of eight, uh, I mean, if if everybody got $1,000, that would be ninety-six. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. A little bit. And once again, it's all free money. Doesn't does it right out of the thin air? You just grab it out of the thin air and you just and pass I'm, away free I'm money. Not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to correct you with the definition of free, but you know, I'm uh, just being facetious. Well, I, I realize I that. That's why I'm not. Well, the, the reason I say that is because there are some people listening who don't maybe not know I was being sarcastic. Ah, I see. I know you know I was being sarcastic, but um, two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. While we're talking about money, um. We, we could talk a little bit more about money. We talked about this a little bit early uh, earlier this morning. Uh, the state is now saying they may withhold, may withhold Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan's salary for the next few months if she doesn't fix her budget shortfall. Now, she was on with is, Nate is, Shellman. I wonder if, if that's if, – is there already a precedent for that? <sighs> you know, I don't know. I don't ever remember um, a governor, a lieutenant governor, or somebody who had – Gone over budget? Gone over budget with still little over two and a half months left I'm to sure, go in the budget uh, year. But I'm sure somebody in charge of a budget in the state government has at some point gone over budget. And I'm wondering, has the precedent been set that they take it out of their own salary? This is a very good question. I'm not sure. Uh, in a March 22nd letter to McGeehan, Chief Deputy Staff Controller uh, Joshua Whitworth wrote that her projected office budget shortfall for the fiscal year is 22000 $10.68. That's even if her office does not make another payment to any other vendors or reimbursements for the rest of the year. 
As superintendent of state funds, the controller's office, this is a quote here, must advise you, you cannot spend any funds beyond your appropriation and available cash. He wrote in a letter which was obtained by the Idaho Capital Sun, the state's budget appropriation laws and the controller's constitutional duties prevent authorizing the issuance of any warrant that exceeds existing appropriations, including your lieutenant governor's salary. Once again, the state uh, of Idaho's fiscal year runs through June 30th. This is what the uh, governor, lieutenant governor had to say uh, on Monday with Nate Shellman. Well, the media is putting out a lot of false information, but that's no surprise there, Nate. Um, we will have a balanced budget by the end of the fiscal year, which is through the end of June. Okay. But I, I, I really honestly don't think that most people of Idaho care that much about the lieutenant governor's small budget and how, how we're going to make it work. I, care. I think people are much more concerned about their own budgets. I, I care, too, because you're running for the governor of the state, which would uh, you you would have budget yeah, come under your control. It's, so it's not, if you have a trouble controlling your small budget, how can you control I, a huge state budget? I understand what she's saying, but it's it's not a good argument if you go over budget to explain that people don't care about your budget. Lee Joe, CUNA, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hey, good morning, guys. So you guys picked up this story from... <clears throat> from Boise State Public Radio, a well-known leftist organization. And um, actually, I, I picked up the story from the Idaho Statesman. but Right. There, you, you'll recall the original of this story came from the public, public radio. It actually um, came from the uh, Idaho Sun. Okay. So, it, so these... Or the Idaho Capital uh, Sun, sorry. So these, <laughs> these, groups of, uh, these groups of folks who are, you know, known mouthpieces for Brad Little... Uh, they just want to make perpetuate this thing, you know. Oh, she can't manage her own budget. Yes, she actually can. Uh, you remember this? Uh, what was the lawsuit over exactly that she uh, that she wasn't funded for uh, defending herself against? Um, yeah, she she hired a private attorney to um, fight the case that the public records request was uh, not valid after the the. Uh, um, Attorney General's office said, no, you have to turn over um, the uh, public records uh, because the res- request was valid. She decided to not take that particular advice. advice and then hired her own private attorney. What was that public request re- records request about? Do you recall that? Uh, had to do um, with uh, the uh, education or the Education Critical Race Task Force. The Critical Race Task Force, and specifically citizens, private citizens, who had testified at that uh, CRT hearing, and the uh, she sought to defend their uh, their uh, addresses uh, from being doxxed by Black Lives Matter, and decided not to hand out those uh, those addresses to and, and make them part of the public record. So that uh, folks wouldn't have to worry about private citizens being doxxed, and the state of Idaho and Brad Little, because oh, it's not happening in our state, which it is. You know, ask uh, ask City Councilman uh, uh, what's his name, but where he had BLM at his door, but well, I guess he wasn't a private citizen. Anyways, the point being, she opted for the individual right to privacy over 
the uh, states need to know nothing of importance uh, and, and the uh, liberal media trying to uh, bring the people forward who, like I said, were private citizens who said, no, this is happening in my school. They were private. Yeah, they were private citizens, but they did testify in at a, a public meeting. an open public meeting. Here, there's a couple of other things that are wrong about your it. hypothesis here. Uh, number one, it wasn't Governor Brad Little who said that she has to release the public records. A court said she had to release these public records, and then she chose to ignore the court. Exactly right, and she chose to ignore the court because the court is. You know, one of those appointed by the establishment, rhino court. Doesn't you know, matter. They go. To, they go Does not they matter. Go to the rhinos to get this. Does thing. not matter. Is, you you realize okay. the chief deputy of state uh, is also a Republican, right? Yeah, that's the worst part of it. These Republicans are all in the same boat together, and and this story is part of the proof that. When you hold power in this state, you'll do anything to keep the power in this state. You will have the proper judges appointed. You will do the things that you need to do to make sure that no one can question your authority because there will always be a ruling in your favor. There will, and when you if that's the case, the individual, if, if, if that's the, the case, privacy of these people, then you have decided wrong in their opinion because they know all and they will tell all tell you to do all. So if that's the case, then, that they uh, get judges that will always, you know, side with them, how come there have been so many cases that have gone against uh, bills that Governor Brad Little has signed? I mean, if that were the case, then he would never, ever have uh, a case overturned by the federal courts. Just throwing that out there. You're talking about federal cases in federal courts with federal Democrat leaning. He's also had state state court cases that have overturned his decisions. I'm talking about this case, guys. Oh, so even though you made the blanket statement that uh, they put uh, court judges in so that they always get the the way that that they want their uh, court cases to go, you just are saying that just about this one instance because they foresaw this coming this far back in the past that they wanted to get this case to to go their way. Now I understand. By the way, that was sarcasm again. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 922-208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Phone lines are open right now if you want to get through. Email message in uh, says, your love fest with the governor was nauseating. Love that you had to keep saying devil's advocate because you fully align with the rhino Please explain to me how the governor is against federal mandates and yet sit silently uh, for state mandates when he, as governor, should be standing up for citizens' rights. He is not governor of business. He is governor of the people. Why, if he is a Republican, does he not govern similar to DeSantis? Uh, first of all, um, you apparently didn't listen every time I said I was playing devil's advocate. I said I was playing devil's advocate because I knew in talking with him the numerous times that we have before uh, what his answer was, and and I just wanted to play devil's advocate for the people that keep calling us up and emailing us to ask the question again for people who may have missed it. So I didn't want to not ask the question because we've asked it sometimes, many previous times before. I wanted to ask it again in case there were people apparently like you who had not heard him 
in the past in, in talking about some of these federal mandates. Um, the other thing I'll say, and this is this is just my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for the governor or for his side. Um, name one civil right that you've lost when he signed the pause mandate. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. We we I do not like businesses either forcing you or I, take that back. I don't like the government either forcing businesses to vaccinate or to not vaccinate. I want the government out of that business. It's a private business, which, by the way, um, are owned by individual citizens also. So many people um, put the umbrella that they think that businesses are these big conglomerates, and they're just not. I mean, there are uh, more privately owned businesses in Idaho than there are businesses like Micron, for example. Publicly traded ones, yeah. Yeah. So when you when you say, hey, what about a private person's right? It, it's the same thing. What about a private person? Just because a private person owns a business doesn't mean a person who doesn't own a business has more rights than that, that other person. They both have the equal amount of rights, in my opinion. Just because you own a business doesn't mean you get your rights taken away. And I feel the same way, by the way. If we were in Washington or Oregon right now talking about the mandates that employers must have their employees vaccinated. I would be saying the same exact thing. Plus, I mean, it's it's it's, it's odd that we keep getting these uh, people who call in and, and act like we're in bed with the governor, which is a thought I don't really want to have to begin with. But <laughs> um, it's it and and they they believe that because they tune in hoping to hear somebody spend four hours talking about how stupid he is. They do the same thing with Biden, and since we don't spend the entire show like some shows do talking about how stupid somebody is they assume well we must you know be in favor of everything they do well that would be as stupid as me saying well that last caller didn't mention that he hated hitler so he must be a nazi yeah that's a very good point i was highly critical of governor little and his decision at the beginning of the pandemic to say this business is okay to keep doing business this business must be shutting their doors It's okay if you're um, a liquor store to continue selling liquor. If you're a bar, you're no longer allowed to continue continue selling liquor. I thought that was the dumbest thing ever, and I'm I've been highly critical for two years of that. But that doesn't just mean that I hate uh, everything that he does. Look for consistency in in laws of any kind, and you probably won't find it. Uh, Jesse and Eagle, hold on the line. Uh, we got to take a quick break here. News at the bottom of the hour. We'll get back to your phone calls. I promise you we'll uh, be up first. If you want to get through, we do have a couple lines open right now. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Jesse Eagle, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. I was just calling in. I didn't the other day when you had a listener bring up something about Brad Little and how he just on a whim became a governor and he was a sheep farmer or herder that didn't make it. And it's just to me so ironic with the guy today talking about Governor Little and he, you know, gets in bed with everybody or whatever his jargon was, was just flooring to me because I think what he has done is he surrounded himself with like-minded people, which is what I think any normal person thinks we should be doing. And I don't think that 
referring to the caller the other day that Governor Little just on a whim became a governor. This has been years in the making. I'm almost 40, and I remember talking to Governor Brad Little when I was eight, nine, and we left that conversation, and my dad looked at me and said, that man will be governor someday. Like, yeah. mm. this wasn't on a whim. Can He's he, been can he predict uh, Super Bowls and stuff, too? Because that would be cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, the other no, thing I is, and I don't, well I don't know the governor that. well enough to, to know, um, because he had, did say that he failed at farming, and I, I don't think that that's anywhere close to true. No, absolutely not. He still does cattle he still does sheep. His sons have both been fairly successful in themselves because of the leadership that he gave them. Neither of them got a handout from him. They both worked their tails off just as Brad and the First Lady Teresa have. And, you know, we may not always agree with everything, but I think he has done a phenomenal job and it's something that is his passion. And I think at the end of the day, People saying that it was on a whim or he's in bed with people is just absolutely ignorant because Mm. if they truly looked at things that are available to them, it is public record, they will see exactly what he does outside of being a governor. And he's a phenomenal family man and he supports people and listens to them at the end of the day, which is not much more than you can ask for from a governor. Thank you for the call, Jesse. Uh, appreciate it. By the way, I won't speak for Chris, but I can speak for myself because uh, I've been accused of it this morning. I have never been in bed with the governor. So, uh, oh, good. I just want to get that. Like I said, I won't speak for Chris, but I've never I can even, say I never have. I've never even been in the same hotel as the governor. Uh, Kevin Caldwell, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Phew, it's getting deep around here. I'm going to have to get some deeper boots. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, pursuing politics a long time. That guy's a professional career politician. That's exactly what he is. And he's probably the scariest kind because he craves power. Now that he's there and he has it, he's doing a wonderful job of keeping it, isn't he? Um, well, we'll find out in the I'm next calling, election, I guess. Well, he's going he's to win. You know it. He's got it all wrapped up. He's got all the money. And that's why I called all of the money. His whole comment about property taxes and this bill, what a joke. I grew up in Parma. I grew up out here where we have this, this 0% sales tax in Oregon. And do you think right now we're 0% in Oregon, 6% in Idaho, do you think raising it 1% or 2% is going to make a change? And that was the dumbest answer a politician could ever give. And that's the only thing he could come up with was, oh, it's going to hurt these communities. They're already dealing with it. They know how to deal with it. The answer is he doesn't want to change the system because the way the system is designed, the average Idahoan pays all the property taxes, and it frees up the, the mega billions of dollars made in this state on development so that the Builders Association, the Realtors Association, all these construction firms and everybody else gets their big bucks, pays it to Iaki. Iaki gives it to the governor, and he gets reelected, and so do his cronies. Just follow the money. That's where it is. And the cat's out of the bag. Jim Rice put the cat out of the bag. It isn't going to stop now. They're going to have to get these property taxes off of us. I mean, I've been out here in Canyon County for my whole life. You just got here. I've been paying about twice what property taxes are in Ada County forever. I mean, I'm, it's got to stop. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you in just moving because I moved from Eagle, which you would think would be 
have high property taxes and uh, much higher um, in Can- in Canyon County and Napa where I live than than what we were paying in, in Eagle. Um, you know, I, I agree with you, and I, and I don't I don't know. Do you do you think the governor would if this would have voted because it didn't come close to passing through this legislature? And and I know they talked about um, it. People need to be educated on this out of the box thinking because it's so different from any other property tax, and and you have so many moving parts with the uh, increase in sales tax and the uh, increase in the uh, grocery tax rebate and everything. Um, if this had passed, do you think the go- the governor Little would have vetoed it? Yes, I do. I don't think it would have been a good bill anyway. Okay. And that bill as written was not a good bill because right. it really put the burden on renters and poor people, and that's not right. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the call. Uh, Sarah Boise, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hi, I just wanted to say that, you know, a lot of people say that Brad Little's in bed with people or, you know, or he does this or doesn't do that. And to me, it's just he doesn't have a conviction with anything he does. He seems to kind of go along with, whatever is presented or whatnot he doesn't have a strong um to me he doesn't present himself in any strong decisions it's all just like oh yeah that sounds good or okay we'll do that because that sounds like what you know is mostly going on around the country and i feel like um christy gnome from uh, uh south dakota could really give a lot of governors um some pointers on how to have some conviction with their decisions and um, and how they go about making decisions with other leaders. You think he's so, one of those? Uh, also, you think he's one of those we'd call a weather vane politician? He always points the direction the wind's blowing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and but he never just seems to have a very strong like. Yes, I agree with this. And let's go ahead and do it. It's more like eh, okay, sounds good. That's just what I get from him whenever I listen to him speak or when any decisions are made. But with the same regard, um, Gretchen or McGeehan, Gretchen McGeehan, um, she has, she's opposite. Everything is a knee-jerk reaction. And it's like, where do we, where do we fall? Where do we find the right person that doesn't have either the knee-jerk reaction or just kind of the, well, okay. Please don't say Ammon Bundy. No, I'm not for Ammon Bundy either because okay. I think he's kind of knee-jerk reaction also. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, so I don't know where <laughs> where to go. So. No, I mean I ad- I admire that you're more of a trust the process kind of person. You know, stick to stick to what you believe, and it'll end up uh, turning out well in the end, right? Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, stick with what you believe, and it'll turn out well in the end. But also, like you know, uh, believe in what you say you are doing. And I just don't feel like Brad Little believes in what he's doing either way so yeah that's my problem with brad little and i hope i wish he would have a little bit more like oomph behind his decision a little more passion yeah a little more passion all right absolutely thank you sarah thank you for the thoughts appreciate it uh carl and star writes in i says that i doubt it's legal to not pay someone who is doing their work and mcgeehan will probably contact the state labor board or the federal labor board. Which is kind of why I asked if, if there had been a precedent set in the past, and was that a state rule or law that if you go over budget, it comes out of your own salary? Because it doesn't sound like something we have done before. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't know. John writes in and says, To the whining caller complaining about the Republican majority in this state, you have a few options. One, move to a blue state. Two, run for office and see how simple the job is and how easy it is to 
answer to your constituents and keep everyone happy. Three, or step up and get involved and become part of the solution you think should be implemented. Otherwise, you're just another heckler at a baseball game. Uh, I think the caller he's referring to wasn't exactly complaining about the Republican majority. He was complaining about uh, what he, the, the rhinos that actually have the highest offices. He, I think, I believe he was a Republican. He just don't, doesn't believe that the people in office are pushing true Republican values. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he thinks the Republican values are the way right values. And if you're yeah. not way so right, I wouldn't, then, then you're a rhino. I, I wouldn't encourage him to move to a blue state because I think that's the opposite of what he wants. We got um, a little bit left in this segment and the next segment. And uh, I wanted to bring this up this morning and uh, also talk about maybe bringing this up again tomorrow morning. But I did want to mention this, and I had promised that we would get to this. A um, couple of things happened yesterday having to do with uh, abortion laws. And you thought, you know, Texas and, and what Idaho signed might be even a, a little bit more stricter when it comes to abortion law in the state. Um, not, I, any, not anymore. I told, I told you what would be the perfect Idaho abortion law, and it's almost the one that they've passed in Oklahoma, is that uh, you cannot have an abortion if or once you can detect the mother's heartbeat. <laughs> That's about right. Oklahoma state lawmakers voted to criminalize abortion yesterday, approving a measure that would make performing the procedure a fel- felony punishable by up to 10 years behind bars or a $100,000 fine. So once again, you can still have an abortion, but doctors in the state are not allowed to do it. Well, they could, but they would go to prison possibly for 10 years. Uh, Governor Kevin Stitt uh, has pledged to sign it. Um, it passed the state Senate last year, so now it just takes the governor's signature. So this is going to pass. The measure would make it exceptional only uh, if an abortion was performed, or an exception if the abortion was performed to save the mother's life. As I mentioned, doctors who perform abortions under the other circumstances would face a $100,000 fine in addition to losing uh, to a long prison sentence. Uh, patients would not be prosecuted. Now, on the flip side of that bill, you want to see two bills that are almost the exact polar opposite. Colorado governor yesterday signed a bill declaring that uh, an unborn child does not have independent rights and holding up abortion rights that would allow abortion up to the moment of birth. Hmm. The new law dubbed... A little harsh, don't you think? uh, Both of them are a little harsh, don't you think? The new law dubbed the uh, Reproductive Health Equity Act calls abortion a fundamental right and said governments shall not deny, restrict, interfere, or discriminate against an individual's decision to have an abortion at any time during the pregnancy. A fertilized, quoting here, a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of so this state, the new law states. What you're saying is there's a lot more separating Oklahoma and Colorado than just Kansas. Mm, pretty much, right. yeah. Supporters say the law is intended to protect legal abortion in the face of potential Supreme Court action on the issue. The high court is expected to issue a decision in a high-profile case by July and could overturn or severely curtail Roe versus Wade. It'll be interesting to see if they're doing this as a preemptive strike, if the Supreme Court say, and I don't don't know what's going to happen, but there are some people that think that the Supreme Court could strike down Roe versus Wade. If that does happen, um, state law doesn't overtake Supreme Court law. So I don't know how making a preemptive strike of passing this bill, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court's ruling will be the law of the land, not the 
state's Colorado, law, right? I, I believe that is the case. But Colorado, I mean, like they were the first state to uh, legalize recreational marijuana. So they, I've already set a precedent that they don't necessarily go along with the uh, federal government. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, if the federal government wanted to go after these states, they could. But the federal government has said that they won't go after them. However, you still don't see companies who legally in their state sell marijuana put their money in federal banks for that reason. Because it is federally against the law and the federal government can come and take all your money at any time. For no reason mm-hmm. whatsoever other than there saying were, it is against the law. We don't care what your states are doing. The banks decade, are federal. Uh, a decade or so ago, there were people in California who had uh, state licenses to grow marijuana for medicinal purposes. And every once in a while, the feds would come in and burn their crops. Yeah. 208-336-3700. We'll take a break a little bit late here, but uh, final segment on the way next. If you want to uh, get through, here's your final chance to do so. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. I think there was more supposed to be there, but 208-336-3700. Well, it, was, it was a pause for reflection. Pound 670 on your Verizon. There, I did the same thing. 952, uh, Bonnie Middleton, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Well, I have a point on property taxes I don't think has been brought up. It's really illegal because everybody votes for it. Only people that pay the tax are supposed to vote. So people who don't own homes shouldn't be allowed to vote on it? Well, people that don't pay property taxes shouldn't be able because the people that pay the property taxes should be the ones that vote on it. Well, that's it's in the Constitution, though, that everybody can vote whether you own property or not, even on even on uh, things like what people who own property should have to do. Where is it in the Constitution? It's in the Constitution that you don't have to be a property owner, that everyone has the right to vote because they didn't everyone want... Everyone has the right... Okay, Everyone because in the, the right, to vote. right, but in in the beginning, only men owned property, and only white men owned property, and that was lawful. And they didn't uh, want to say that only white men would ever be the only ones who could vote. But for for taxes, only the people that pay the taxes are supposed to be able to vote. That's how taxes were set up. And not that I know of, taxation, you know, I, it's taxation without representation is the rule there no you you still uh, get representation by you do have representation the trouble is everyone else has it too yeah thank you for the call appreciate the thoughts bonnie um email in mike at kby.com says i think little is a lot like uh, the people of idaho at least the majority anyways he goes with what's popular because that's what everyone is doing or thinking if he is a rhino it's because the majority of idaho is rhino we aren't crazy right or loony left. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle. I personally am conservative financially, in the middle on governing issues, and more liberal in social issues. Issues little reflects our state and not just KBOI listeners. That's a good explanation. Might be Who some truth there was to that. A comedian several years ago that said that he, you know, was just he said that same thing. He says I'm conservative about some things and liberal about others. And of course, he was a comedian, so he said. Uh, when it comes to drugs, I'm very conservative. When it comes to <laughs> prostitution, I'm actually quite liberal. 
Curtis writes in um, on reparations. What about my relatives who were white slaves and became sharecroppers whose land was taken away? Yeah, I mean that. I guess that they would deserve reparations too if you, they were in California. I mean, that's where this go. is being discussed as of right now. I could go for that. I mean, my wife was born in Oklahoma, and a whole bunch of her relatives were sharecroppers and had to go to California. You know, with Henry Fonda, <laughs> Jane, that's, Jane Darwell. That that's exactly um, John Carradine. Why they're going to have a hard time with this, and, and even the people that are involved in the discussions right now. Are, are saying that it could be decades before they come to any type of agreement because of all the arguing and fighting over who deserves, who doesn't deserve reparations, how much does each person get, how much does some person deserve more because they lost more or because they can prove you know that what? they were directly I you will, know, slaves or, or whatnot. I will be happy to figure that out for a substantial government grant. I'd like to be in charge of that. Pay me a six-figure income. I'll, come to, I'll even move to California for it. Uh, that's about all the time we have for today's show. Thanks. Uh, great show. Thanks for the participation. Much appreciated. Uh, we'll take a two-hour or a 20-hour break. We'll take a nap, and we'll be back to do it all again tomorrow morning. Have yourself a great day.